D Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista. It is also brought to you by Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy. And uh, recording on a Monday morning, Darren, I'll also give a, a free plug to one of my favorite places in Ocean Beach. An amazing pastry in front of me right now from a place called Azucar in Ocean Beach. It's a little Cuban cafe, and they sell these amazing guava cheese pastries with their really, really good coffee. Um, and that's what's sitting right in front of me as we record this podcast. Good morning to you, Darren. Oh, thank you. I uh, haven't yet eaten breakfast as we're recording on a Monday, so thank you for making my mouth water. Maybe I'll hop in the Jeep, head over to Azucar, and pick up a pastry here just because you uh, really, really sold that well. Good job out of you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, I have yet to take a bite. So if you hear a few bites later on in the podcast, it's more of a warning. I'm like, Hey, you, you might hear something in the background. That's what's happening. So wait a second so, here. It's a Monday morning. You've already been to ocean beach. You live in Santee or listen, was this something that you did over the weekend just to be prepared for this Monday? Listen, I lived, um, about a mile from Azucar for years and um, you want to support a bunch of local businesses, especially your favorite local businesses here in San Diego during all of this. So they've provided an amazing opportunity that they're uh, actually selling frozen pastries that you can take home and just bake at home. Um, they'll sell, they sell like a dozen of them. And like, this is my one of my favorite pastries in San Diego. So uh, the wife and I, I think it was like a week ago, we went to Ocean Beach, but we have a bunch in the freezer. So you kind of just pull them out whenever you want one. And this morning I was feeling it. I like it. So uh, does it live up to its billing? I've not yet been to uh, Azucar, but I, if, I'm, if my uh, Mi Espanol is correct, I believe that that, stands, that is sugar. So are you expecting some sort of uh, sugar rush, sugar high, followed by a sugar crash and perhaps a Monday afternoon nap? Absolutely. I'll be napping alongside Luca a little bit later <laughs> on today. There's no question about that. Okay. Uh, Monday morning, we got a lot to talk about. We gave Azucar a lot of love there. Um, <laughs> Uh, the Champions League final happened yesterday. San Diego Loyal played Saturday night. They lost 3-1 to one against Reno. We saw Bayern Munich beat PSG 1-0 in Lisbon. Um, I want to start with Champions League, Darren, because that's the most recent thing I saw, and it's what's on my mind right now. Um, what, what's, the, what's the common phrase that Lineker always says? How you, how you describe the game of football? Guys uh, kicking the ball around for 90 minutes, and in the end, the Germans win? Something yeah. like that? <laughs> yeah, so football is a pretty simple game. It's 22 dudes who kick a ball around for 90 minutes, and at the end, the Germans win. Yeah, they, they chase the ball for 90, <laughs> and in the end, and I mean, most notably, I think it's Bayern Munich wins. It's not just the Germans. It's usually Bayern yeah. Munich who wins. We, we see them win. They've lost before. I mean, they've lost in that game five times. That's a, that's a significant number. They've also won it a significant amount of times. One of those five times, Darren, was against Chelsea. Let me just get that plug out of the way now. Um, this is a club that knocked out my club and it's a club that knocked out your club on their way to winning champions league. So do we, uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Are we, are we planning our parades in Barcelona and in West London? Yeah. I mean, as soon as the travel ban is listed, Jordan, I say we hop on that British airways flight, which goes direct from San Diego into London Heathrow. We can then, uh, I don't know where exactly we would go in London to go and parade around our uh, fake Champions League trophy. And then uh, we'll hop on a quick flight out of London Heathrow or uh, even out of the other airport. Uh, what's the other one called? I forget. Anyhow, you can uh, just a couple of hours, you can get into Barcelona and then we'll uh, go up and down La, La Rambla 
and uh, maybe hop on a double-decker tour bus and cruise around and, and uh, go on uh, Avenido uh, Diagonal. And we can have all sorts of fun and just make sure that you and I are, are representing our clubs and saying, yes, we lost to the champs. We feel much better about ourselves here this Monday morning. Absolutely. The other airport you're thinking of, Darren, is Gatwick. Um, Gatwick. Flown out of Yes, yes. But let's go to Heathrow. Let's, let's yes, ride with Heathrow better. on that one. Um, yeah, the parades are here. Byron, how did you watch this match? Where were you? What's your setup yesterday? I watched it home. I just watched it home. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, listen, I understand that all things are relative here. So uh, apologies for sounding like a whiny Southern Californian, but I mean, it's hot. You know, I don't really want to go anywhere. And the uh, fact of the matter is you can't really go anywhere because we're still dealing with COVID. So I just watched it home and uh, enjoyed it. I think I've said this before here and off the podcast airwaves as well. I, I'm enjoying the CBS crew, what it brings to the table when it's actually available. Uh, and this should actually serve as a good reminder for me and for everybody else who's listening to this podcast. If you signed up for a free trial on that CBS All Access app, as soon as you are done, maybe you even want to hit pause right now. Cancel that. Cancel that. Because there's no reason to have it any longer. So uh, I'm going to have to follow my own advice. But no, I watched at home, and, and I think CBS really – has grabbed the wheel here and steered Champions League in the right direction. In terms of the quality of its broadcast, as far as the match itself, uh, Bayern won, PSG nil. I, I thought, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, listen, I watched a lot of Spanish football. I watched enough English. I watched a lot of the Bundesliga, mostly on the restart because it was all that we had. I don't spend a ton of time watching uh, Ligue 1 every once in a while. I'll catch in Syria. I don't I, I think, you know, that this – I have no reason to think that Bayern Munich isn't the best team in Europe, right? Like sometimes you're, you're wondering, does the best team win? You know, does the best team win? Think about what the sports that we, we talk about a lot in the United States, right? Baseball, football, they have these expanded playoffs, and you're not always sure that the best team wins. And sometimes Champions League produces a, a champion that you're not quite sure. Are they really the best in Europe, or do they just have a fortuitous route, right? And, you know, I think that at least today you can, you can feel, if this is at all important to anybody, uh, you can at least feel like, hey, like I, I feel like best team in Europe probably won the trophy, right? Like they're, they're really, really good. Had a chance to watch them. I know they spent some time here uh, looking up in, on the, at the table in the Bundesliga. They swapped managers, changed managers. So, you know, they had to, to do things a little bit differently. But it really feels like once that baby got humming, once the restart – once they got back into Champions League, Jordan, it, it really did, to me, feel like the best club in Europe. So kudos to them. Congrats. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I read a really good – I think it was the New York Times who did a recap, and I thought an amazing recap on the win for Bayern Munich. It was very – they said it was very fitting for Bayern Munich to win Champions League during a pandemic. I mean, it, Germany, the first country to, that was even in position to resume playing, although without fans, but they were able to resume their seasons before any other country – um, they're the first to play, and their best team is the last team standing. Like, it almost it feels kind of right for Bayern Munich to win it in a, in a year like this. 21 wins in a row, absolutely dominant. They haven't lost a match since 2019. Um, so you, you bring up the managerial change. I believe that was, like, in November. Um, an amazing run for them, and it ends with, uh, with the Champions League once again for Bayern Munich. And it's – it's interesting who scores the goal. I thought that was a storyline. You get someone in Kingsley Komen who was born in Paris, actually debuted with PSG with the senior team when he was only 16 years old. 
um, doesn't get the minutes he wants, has to leave and play in Italy, goes to Juve, eventually gets to Bayern Munich. Um, guy's only 24 years old there, and he's won 20 major trophies already. It's incredible. <laughs> it is. And there is something to be said, right? If, if we understand that the, uh, the game is so much about money and pouring billions of dollars at the highest level of the sport into different clubs, et cetera, and yes, I know it's been pointed out um, a billion other times, no pun intended, that PSG has spent a billion dollars trying to get to this moment so that it could win this trophy. Who knows what that would have meant for Mbappe and Neymar. But yes, I think that there is something. I don't know exactly what point it is I'm trying to make here about a former uh, youth player for PSG scoring the game-winning goal against the club that has spent a billion dollars that is trying to uh, sports wash itself with its ownership into this match. Yes, I think that there is uh, something uh, quite romantic, if you will, about mm. that player being the player to be the difference in the match. Yeah, and it's probably like a convenient way of pushing this story. But if you think sure. about a Bayern Munich, a team that has like really – they've built what they have over a long period of time. And a lot of people say it's a way that a club should be built. And they run it the way that it should be run. And then you have PSG, kind of a quick fix, splash a bunch of money, get Neymar, get Mbappe. Um, really splash for Neymar specifically there, clearly. And like more of a quick fix type of club um, to have a former academy player um, leave the quick fix and eventually get to the machine. When I saw that he's won 20 major trophies at only 24 years old, that's just incredible. He's won the league. Every single year, Komen has won the league every single year of his professional career going back to 2013, no matter the club he was with. So he's won it twice with PSG, the domestically. Um, he won it once with Juve the year he was down there, and now he's won it five times with Bayern Munich. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, you know, he just I, does it. I actually think if there's one thing from the pandemic that I could like truly take away, and, and it would, I would tell you that it's, it's much more my awareness of the Bundesliga. Because, you know, you see it, you mostly see it in Champions League, right? Like, you spend a ton of time watching Premier League football. I spend a ton of time watching La Liga. Obviously, now we're incredibly focused on the USL. For many years, uh, we've been uh, attuned with what's going on in Liga Emma-Equis. So there's only so much you can do. You know what I mean? Like, like, I've got this set up in my house where I have a big television and two smaller televisions. And from time to time, I'd flip on a Bundesliga match. But for the most part, I was drawn into the Bundesliga because, A, it was available, available on Fox Sports. So, you know, you wanted to, to, to have something on one of the televisions here. Uh, also because young American players like Christian Pulisic ended up playing there. Now it's Gio Reyna and, and many others. Uh, so, you know, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, and on and on. So, you know, you tune it, you tune in because you know, maybe from a U.S. men's national team perspective, you wanted to watch a couple of players and see if somebody got some minutes off the bench and something on Twitter alerted you to the fact that the Bundesliga, you know, something was happening and you wanted to watch the yellow wall with Dortmund. And I mean this with all respect to our uh, Bundesliga correspondent, Tim Stoops from Missoula, Montana, but I don't know that I ever really watched it with any sort of regularity until the pandemic, until it, it returned. And I'll say I, it was a bit eye-opening for me, and, and I, I, I think I appreciate the league much more than I did, let's say, in March. Um, obviously, they're not playing with supporters, and that's a huge part of the Bundesliga experience, but I, I find it to be a, a fun league, even beyond Bayern Munich. I, I find a lot of their clubs to be young and fun, and uh, I, I don't know how much time in my life I'll have to watch it, 
since the season probably starts in like an hour and a half. But uh, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, Jordan, but I, I, I think I walk away from this pandemic and, and capped off by this run from Bayern Munich in Champions League with uh, an increased appreciation of the Bundesliga. Yeah, I mean, I think the simplest way for me to say it is I've never watched more Bundesliga in my life. You and I started yeah. watching Bundesliga a little bit more, and it's difficult. This is back in our 1090 days. What do you call 1090 on the radio show? I forget. Death Star. The Death Star? Okay. Yeah, um, it blew up. Um, we used to watch Bundesliga because they, they changed their TV deal. I think it was like a change their TV deal, and they had matches every single Friday. And I remember you and I would get so excited because we'd have something to watch during the show on Fridays because we knew Boo would be on. And it's been carried by Fox for a very long time. And so my experience with Bundesliga has been Dortmund um, for, I mean, there's a couple reasons why Chelsea and Dortmund have had a pretty decent relationship with players and stuff. So there's always been interest there. The Christian Pulisic era with Dortmund, of course, <laughs> the Christian Pulisic era at Dortmund. That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> but like, that's your exposure, right? Like Bayern Munich, clearly what you see in Champions League and now recently with the uh, with the red red bull and whatever that club's all about um so it's it's i've never watched more and they they set themselves up to come back before any other league and they produce the best club in europe this year it's it's a pretty good year for for that league is it not i think so and if i'm not mistaken i think they're also moving into espn plus next season so are they uh, i believe that is right i think so espn plus is really becoming quite uh the destination here for for football fans which i i appreciate and uh not the least of which is because we spend so much time talking some some usl now but yeah i i do and and i think the more i learned about the league about ownership and how ownership works in that league that you know you can't have an entity own more than 50 percent and that the fans have such a, a a role you know because supporters always have roles i mean that's that's what I think we're most interested in. I mean, it's, it's just what separates this sport from all the other sports in the world. But, you know, the fact that, that German ownership is even structured differently in the Bundesliga so that, you know, you can't have – you could never have PSG in the Bundesliga. I guess that's the best way to say it because you would never have that kind of foreign interest come in, swoop in, spend a billion dollars, take over your club, and do the kind of things that are being done there. So, you know, I think that's probably the best way to say it. That kind of club would never exist in German soccer. No, it absolutely would not. So that's good news. I like that it's going to ESPN+. Plus. If you told me it was going to CBS All Access, I would have lost it. Um, that season's going to kick off here pretty soon. And, and Bayern Munich gets to add Leroy Sané to its roster. So that's pretty yeah. good going forward. Uh, by the way, um, I, and, you know, I, I, I know where we're going to play this uh, Ander Herrera sound from PSG because it's just – it's fantastic. But um, as we're getting set to transition from Champions League, if, if we're at that point in the podcast, I don't want to well, be I haven't asked you about here. Neymar yet. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know that I want to answer about Neymar. I will say I, I – <laughs> I know this sounds, uh, speaking of German, the German word I believe is schadenfreude. Uh, didn't, didn't bust me up watching him cry out there on the pitch. Anyway, uh, Alfonso Davies, I just have this. And I already shared this with Jordan over the weekend because I was uh, spending time on the uh, United Soccer League's uh, record page, you know, the all-time records in the USL because I was you know, looking up what was going on with some of the, the players from Reno. Uh, the youngest player in USL history 
history of the USL, which admittedly is only a decade, but the youngest player in USL history ever to score a goal. Jordan knows the answer to this question. It is Alfonso Davies, who just won Champions League with Bayern Munich, who murdered a member of FC Barcelona, Nelson Semedo, (laughs) a couple of weeks back in the quarterfinal when he just totally left him in the dust. According to the record book, Jordan, Alfonso Davies playing for Vancouver Whitecaps Football Club 2 on May 15th, 2016, at the age of 15 years, six months, and 13 days, was the single-season youngest goal scorer in the history of the United Soccer League. How about that? Wow. USL, where Champions League winners come to play. That's right. You want to watch a player who's ascending in his career? USL football, baby. Even though USL and football and the S and the F don't quite match up. Listen, we don't get lost in the details on this podcast, Darren. You, uh, you referenced that audio. This audio is absolute gold. I don't know where you saw it this morning, but I'm very happy that you said it to me because I was laughing. And also, I just was amazed with the answer. Like it's the, the caption that you sent me included a caption that said, like, this is the best post-match interview of the year. And I totally agree. Of course, always. When you lose, you are fucked a couple of days, three days. But when you, when you lose the way, the way we, we lost, you can take a lot of things um, to make you stronger. I think we have done a fantastic Champions League, a fantastic season. We, won, we have won four titles and we have lost the, the final. So now from Saturday, we are going to try to be back. We are going to learn a lot from it. And I think I told you before, if you are not clinical against another top side, uh, they can score and they can... They can, they can kill you. What's it like playing without fans? Nah, it's shit. Horrible, horrible. For me, fans are the, the key in this sport. They're the most important thing in, in, in football. Football without fans is nothing. That's my opinion. I hope um, all the statements, all the people realize that uh, football is for fans. And without them, we are, we, are, we are nothing. Of course, this business had to continue because it's a big business, uh, even for people that, that, are, that, that were suffering has been a good escape for them to, to watch games and to watch football. But uh, let's try to be responsible, everyone. Let's try to, to, um, let's try to finish this situation the, way, the, the best way possible. First of all, for the safety of everyone, but second, because we love football and we love football without fun, okay, with fans. Wow, I, I love that. It, it, how is it playing without fans? It is shit. It is shit. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I just, I, at first you're like with Herrera, you're, you're asking yourself, wait a second here. Did I think I hear him say that you're fucked up for three days or did that just come out wrong because of the accent and he's kind enough and comfortable enough to give answers in English here in this post-match press conference, you know, even after just losing a final. But then he went on to say, oh, yeah, it's, it's total shit. <laughs> I, just, I loved it. Loved everything about it. Way to go, Andrew Herrera. Yeah, it was very raw. It was great. Like, you know, he wasn't just, like, saying stuff just to say it because he's in front of a microphone following a loss on the biggest stage. Like, he was just telling it like it is. It was fantastic. Yeah. Then uh, he's right. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't um, – he didn't – I mean, I don't think he apologized to PSG supporters the way that we saw – Carlos Alvarez apologized to oh. San Diego Loyal supporters over the weekend, Saturday night. How about that moment for us on the post-match show? 
That was a moment uh, unlike any moment that I think I've ever had in my career. I will tell you, uh, there are many times, uh, I can't count too many times, I should say, where I've genuinely felt speechless, where, where I felt like I, I don't know what to say next. So I guess we need to set the scene. It was uh, SD Loyal 1 and Reno 1868. Three from Torero Stadium on Saturday night. Um, we ended up interviewing Carlos Alvarez, midfielder, who uh, I love this phrase. I can't say it enough. Opened his account with SD Loyal with a 66-minute goal, which was important for many reasons, which I'm sure we'll get to. But he joined us on Match Day Live, the post-match edition. I know we're going to hear the audio, and the audio has been posted at SD Loyal's Instagram page, Facebook page, our Twitter page, our Instagram. So it, you can find it. But I don't even remember, Jordan, do you even remember what you asked him that led to the answer that we're about to hear? I don't know if the question even mattered. The I don't question could have been anything, because I, I got the sense, and I love this. I absolutely love when an athlete or a coach has something to say. I love when they have a message. So when he comes over, I could have asked him about anything. I could ask him what he had for breakfast in that moment. I got the sense that Carlos Alvarez was going to look straight into the camera, no matter what, and apologize to loyal supporters for the performance from the club, the lack of wins in the last few matches, the lack of goals. The stretch is over, as mentioned, 361 minutes without a goal. Whew, felt like forever. Um, and following a 3-1 loss, Alvarez felt compelled to just look directly into the camera and speak directly to the fans. And I'm with you. There was nothing really else. We could have followed up. We could have asked him about the close chances. We could have asked him about Guerrero's performance. We could have asked him about the, the impact at halftime when Bev comes in and Loyal absolutely change how, how much they're competing and just the dynamic of everything in that match. We could have gone down that road, but I, I think he came with a message. He delivered his message, and we all, we all heard it. No doubt. Uh, and believe me, as I've said, I, I can't remember too many times as a guy who's been in talk radio for 22 years where I found myself pretty much stopped in my tracks and speechless in a moment. And that happened after Carlos Alvarez really just said what he wanted to say. I also got the sense, Jordan, that I don't know that – that we could have come up with other questions that could have re-engaged him to the mm -hmm. point that he had already expressed what it was that he wanted to say. I mean, I, I've actually given this more thought than some might imagine about what I could have asked after this answer that will play for everybody. Um, and, I, you know, I think in hindsight, if I had to do it again, I would have said, hey, you, you're coming off a stretch now where you guys just played Reno 1868 Football Club, which is one of the better teams in the league, right? You and I had some questions about that on the pre-match show. I think those questions were pretty much answered. We'll get into the specifics. It might be the best club. It might be the best team that we've seen at Torero Stadium. Maybe. We can discuss that. But you're coming off now a stretch where you played Reno 1868 at home, where you played Phoenix Rising just a week ago. To me, the class of the entire United Soccer League. You played Orange County Soccer Club before that. They are at least, uh, at worst, one of the top five or six clubs in the USL, not too long ago, you're playing Sacramento Republic, which is sitting there on 18 points as well. Uh, how far away are you? I mean, how far away do you feel like SD Loyal is 
compared to these opponents that you just saw, your previous four opponents, which we would at least say, Jordan, amongst the top 10, 11, 12 clubs in the entire league. I think I, I might have asked that, like, well, how far is the gap? How big is the gap between you and them? Mm-hmm. Because I know then we started talking about, well, a lucky bounce against Orange County, a goal taken off the board against Phoenix. It really felt like, you know, maybe a goalkeeping mistake. And, and that's the difference. Even after SD Loyal got completely battered in the first half against Reno. So I, I guess we, you know, we could have, but I agree with you. Like after, after Lowe said what he said into the camera, I just felt like, whoa, like there's almost nowhere for us to go with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it was easier for us to have the conversation later in the post-match show with Amani, Amani yeah. Walker, part of the broadcast team. I mean, we, I remember having that conversation because I think it was a conversation we were able to have at that moment of how far away is SD loyal? Is this in my opinion? And I think you and I probably share the same opinion that here is where there's, there really is a lot of positives to like, especially for a first year club in the middle of a pandemic and the group of freaking death. And you just play orange County and Phoenix and Reno over and over. Um, I, for me, it feels like they're a piece or two away. That's what it feels like. I feel like the defense is really good. Um, I thought there were some lapses clearly Saturday night. I think Emmer Clementa clearly overran, um, late in the match. It allowed what that was the third goal. Mm -hmm. Um, he had an opportunity to kind of stay in front of the net. He would have had a chance to clear it. Um, he kind of ran with Guerrero and the ball finds the back of the net for the third Guerrero made a mistake to allow the second, the first goal for Reno was, a, I thought a good goal for Reno. Like they're a really good team. So that's just a good goal. Um, I think the defense is pretty good for loyal. I think the midfield is pretty good. I, I, I want, we saw a little bit more from Carlos Alvarez, which I think is a big deal. You're starting to kind of unlock him. It feels like a little bit. So the more he develops, the, the bigger impact he'll have in the midfield, which I think is important. you got to figure out this offense. One goal every 361 minutes is not going to cut it. So, like, for me, I still feel like it's a piece or two away, even though we haven't seen or felt a win in, like, forever. Yeah, I, and, yeah, it's, it's definitely felt that way. I mean, recent form here is just uh, – it's, it's, it's not been good. I mean, this is now, what, three on the bounce, I believe, for uh, SD Loyal, three straight. Uh, mm-hmm losses and then combining that with a draw before. So, you know, it, it, you're starting to see the season where it is at its most pivotal point, which is seven matches to go uh, stuck there on 11 points uh, minus four goal differential. I'm with you. I mean, the defense comes to play uh, and keep this in mind uh, without John Kempen, who is expected back this week. That's what we were told officially over the weekend when we were at Torero stadium. So that's really, really good news. I didn't hear anything too definitive on Joe Greenspan, but uh, him dealing with, with some sort of leg injury. I, I, I didn't hear anything, Jordan. I don't know that you did for the most part though. Totally agree with you. That said, man, that first half, I mean, uh, SD Law just got completely Whoa. battered here. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't – I know we'll set up this audio that you picked from Landon at the half, but, I mean, just think about some of these numbers. Outshot 21-3 to in the first half against Reno 1868. I thought Amani did a really, really good job of this post-match, if you want to go find that on SD Loyal's Facebook page, of saying that there were some things tactically that may have caught SD Loyal by surprise. 
I don't know if one of our uh, frequent listeners, uh, assistant coach Nate Miller, would, would uh, I don't know his thoughts, but uh, what Landon said to you about competing at the half, I thought was very, very interesting. Second half, much different. Was that simply a case of putting Beverly McAngila into the match and taking Eric Avila off? Don't know. But from where we were halftime statistically, outshot 21-3. Loyal then ends up outshooting Reno 15-8 in the second half. Possession leveled out. It was pretty lopsided in the first half that Reno, I think, uh, 65-35, somewhere in that range. And frankly, I thought Loyal should have been thanking its lucky stars only to be down a goal at the half. And maybe that point was expressed to the players. You guys are fortunate only to be down a half. This, this could be three and you guys could be out of it given some of the struggles that we've seen in attack. So maybe that message came through, but at least Jordan in some capacity, it still ended up a loss, but in some capacity, at least we saw a little bit of fight in that second half. Yeah, we did. Um, I thought there were positives. I thought Bev, like I mentioned, very good. Uh, one of the negatives is Avila. Uh, he gets pulled off at halftime. That's never a good sign. So I thought that was notable. Um, I thought Ashley Nazira coming in looks like I want to see more and more minutes mm. from Ashley Nazira going forward. Like it was just a little taste and you kind of are left wanting more there. So you kind how of, about, that- how about the pass? I mean, we are, are going to spend a lot of time, I'm sure talking about Ashley Nazira in terms of him being a goal scorer, right? Because that's what we feel like this club really, really needs right now is somebody to, to put shots on target, put pressure on the opposing keeper, et cetera. You and I, and, and this was great because Jordan sat up with us in the press box, which I loved because we had a, we had a chance to, to talk it all through and talk about stuff. But it was a different perspective for you. Remember the pass from Ashton Nazir to Jack Metcalf where he like threads it through two different defenders Perfectly weighted ball hits Metcalf in stride because I know you and I both went whoa. Like, those are the kind of link up passes here that we don't see on a regular basis. You remember that? Um, what really stood out to me actually, Darren, was his shot with the right foot that was just a yeah. rocket. That's How what really it? stood out to me. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, those, there was just there, a the couple of things. The yeah. link up, like you said, and the shot that I noticed a little bit later that I know you saw as well. Like those are the moments that leave you wanting a little bit more. Or wanting, yeah, wanting more with Ashley Nazir and hoping that you get a few more minutes from him going forward. Yep, yep. So yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, I mean, it's it's disappointing. And I think the other thing, Jordan, and and the toughest thing I think perhaps to swallow, and and again, like we're in COVID, so I, I don't know exactly what to to make of this, right? Because would a couple of thousand people at every home match be? Would would results be any different, right? I mean, I don't I don't have the answer to that, but I do think when you think about playing six times at Torreira Stadium, and a win, a couple of draws, three losses, out of a potential eighteen points, picking up five, like that's a pretty tough thing to swallow as well. Yeah, it is. It is, especially in this group when you have Phoenix and you have Orange County, and LA is playing better than most people expected going into the year. Vegas is starting to pick up points again all of a sudden. Um, as they start to learn underneath a new coach. So it's how about that? How about Vegas uh, figuring out a way to, to draw with Phoenix? Did not see that one coming. No. <laughs> and would like, frankly, would, would like less people believing that they're alive in this group. Now, it's probably too late for Vegas anyway. But I mean, we need like less people thinking that they're in the mix here, not more. <laughs> right. I know. I was pulling for Phoenix in that one. Like, I want Phoenix to pull ahead. 
And then, like, you know, start picking off other clubs as well, like not dragging other clubs back into the conversation. Yeah, let's get to some of this audio here. Let's start with the halftime audio with Landon Donovan. Um, every single home match, I get the opportunity to kind of just walk with Landon back from the tents to his bench, um, get about 60 seconds with him. Um, we've had some fun with these interviews. Some have been more fun than others. Um, Landon, obviously, coming off that first half, Darren, like, that was a terrible first half for San Diego. Loyal, they just, it was a wave from Reno, and it didn't look like Loyal had any answers. And they made a change at halftime, which you'll hear about here in this interview. But here's what Landon Donovan had to say at the break. Just getting sucked into playing the way they want to play, and they're a lot better at it than we are. So, um, when we do have opportunities to go forward and beat them, SD loyal we just don't make, we don't make good decisions, 16, good plays, and when the ball turns over, they counter and they're, they're destroying us. It sounds like you're making changes. What are the changes? Bev's coming in for Avila. We're going to move to a back four. Um, Holland right in the midfield. Elijah left in the midfield. And then Bev and Charlie next to each other. Carlos underneath Francis. Anything specifically you're looking for with the change? Just fucking compete. I mean, we're just getting our ass kicked off. It's like men against boys. Uh, so message received there. He wanted his team to compete, Darren, to, uh, to fucking compete. And I, I noticed them competing a little bit more in the second half. I did notice a big change between SD Loyal in the first 45 and the second 45. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Reno put the game uh, away and, and, you know, and just decided, hey, okay, we've done enough. You know, they were, they were up a goal. I mean, that's it. Like the halftime score was SD Loyal nil, Reno won. So, you know, there was still plenty of time for Reno to be, oh, man, okay, well, we haven't done anything. We've dominated, but we really haven't done much of anything. I think uh, credit to Austin Guerrero. You know, Austin Guerrero, who started in goal for SD Loyal, had some really, really great moments. I mean, he becomes, what, Jordan, the, the record holder for most saves in an SD Loyal match. I know that sort of sounds silly, but just roll with us here. Um <laughs> And then, you know, some moments that, that you just, you know, you sort of say, gosh, uh, you know, that directly uh, led to opportunities for Reno. So I thought it was uh, a very, very mixed result night for Austin Guerrero getting the start in that. Very mixed. Um, there were some really good moments for Guerrero. There was a really bad moment for Guerrero. Um, three goals in total. I don't know if his defense really gave him, did a lot of favors for him in a lot of the moments, but it was a total mixed bag from Guerrero. Um, we'll see. Like you said, it sounds like John Kempen coming back this week, so that's something to watch. Um, we never actually played the audio post-match from uh, Carlos Alvarez, so here is the actual apology. I mean, you, you find out what Landon had to say at halftime. Things change. You compete more in the second half, but you still come up short. You bring up that saves record from Guerrero. Like, I don't, do you feel good about that? Like, does that, is that more about your goalie's performance or is that more about Reno just firing shot after shot after shot? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, 21 3 at the half again. Can't say it. 21 to 3 at the half. I, I mean, I, I, I'd have to go back and look up how many took a while for SD Loyal to get to 21 on the season, didn't it? Yeah. Didn't like Vegas put up 21 in that first match? Yeah. And then I just remember thinking like, damn, that was a lot. And that's what Reno did in the first half Saturday night. Um, here's the, uh, here's the apology. Here's your goal scorer, Carlos Alvarez, as Darren mentioned, opening his account for San Diego loyal. Here's what he had to say with us post-match. We all need to be much better. You know, I want to apologize to all the fans. You know, we had to win a game for you guys. 
And, you know, we're going to, the only way we could do it is just keep fighting for you guys and keep bringing our spirit. And the only way we do it is by keep working during the week and just getting better each day. The only thing I can say, I'm sorry, you know, for, you know, to all the fans and we're just going to get it together. It kind of just cements my opinion that he came with a message. He knew what he wanted to say. He had something to say. He delivered it. And that was the message. And now we get to see how they respond. They get a, they get an opportunity to make some waves this week, and they get another opportunity against a really, really good club this weekend in Orange County. Yeah, I mean, that's the other part of it, too, is now for the remaining seven, all of them are in Group B. So these all count a little bit more because if you pick off Orange County on Saturday night, and keep in mind Orange County has to play Tuesday, so they'll have three matches in a week. But you do that, it gives you three points, you pull level with Orange County at 14. So, you know, those are, well, I shouldn't say that because I, it, it presumes that there's no result on Tuesday night. But what I'm trying to say is they all matter more now. Like, this is it. Mm-hmm. And can I just say one thing on Carlos? And I don't get this from the club. So, you know, this isn't us because we're allowed access inside of Torero Stadium. This is just me with seven to go. I also do wonder how much you're thinking about who are the players that we're going to really want part of this club let's say next year, I would guess that Landon Donovan and Nate Miller and everybody else with SD loyal is focused on orange County, trying to win, keeping their playoff hopes alive, trying to figure this out. But I would think somewhere deep down, you're probably also thinking, well, who are the players? Like who are the building blocks for this club? Who do I want? That's going to be a part of this. Who is going to go and ball out max effort here, even when things look bleak? We talked about it a little bit against Phoenix. What Grant Stoneman did in the 81st minute clearing the ball off the line, I need that player back on my squad next year. Like, I need that guy. You know, like, that's the kind of player that, unless he's given a better opportunity, like, I really want to prioritize Grant Stoneman being a part of this. He's played every single minute for me. The dude is an absolute stud. Like, I want that guy part of my future. And I thought a lot about that with Carlos as well, that, you know, here Carlos Alvarez is, who, um, not a young man by any stretch, but he's, he's you know, been a high draft pick, Major League Soccer. His brother plays for the Galaxy, right? Like, Southern California guy. Him having that type of uh, response for, for supporters, right? Like, we might as well not have even been standing there. Um, that makes me think, hmm, you know, this is somebody who really gives a shit. Like, and I'm not saying that others don't, you know, we just, we don't know. But that, that gives me something to think about, um, about 2021, about Carlos Alvarez. Again, I don't suspect that all of the club is thinking this way, but for me, I'm, I'm starting to think, I'm starting to pay attention. Uh, you know, who's, who's still out there? Like who's, who's doing whatever we're asking. Carlos Alvarez to me would, would certainly be part of that conversation. Yeah. Um, it's a different mindset for us, isn't it? Because you, we've, we've watched Barcelona and Chelsea and you're used to watching teams that you're giving players five-year deals and you know, they're going to be around like, you know, you know, for a decade, Lionel Messi is not going anywhere with Barcelona, but like for having your own club in San Diego with USL, like a, a majority of these players, um, and it's a huge majority is that's their one-year deals. So like you're, as much as your team is together for a year, it's going to look very different. You would expect the next year there will be changes. And I mean, there's not going to be the right way to say this. There won't be like a lot of secrets, I guess, with what your roster is. You get a great opportunity in this group 
Um, if you want to view it that way, you can view it as, wow, we have Phoenix who got added late and Orange County, and there's only two playoff spots, and there's five freaking teams. This just didn't shake out our way in 2020 when it came to the group play. Or you can see there's an opportunity with like, all right, well, now we get to look at our roster for the first time ever, and they get to play Phoenix a bunch of times. They get to play Orange County a bunch of times, sure. and they get to play Sacramento, and they get to play Reno. And I think it takes away a lot of the unknowns because it's no secret that San Diego Loyal want to be one of those clubs. They want to be as good, if not better, and the best in this league. So they want to be better than Orange County. They want to be better than Phoenix. Um, they have to build to get there. And I think they're set up to get there a lot quicker than most. So it's, it's, it's where we are with a few matches to go. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. And one of the other things that we picked up and, and uh, no, no specifics here is, you know, Hey, we, we were sort of told pay attention to, to us during the week as if we wouldn't anyway, you know, we sort of uh, heard the word reinforcements coming and it didn't sound specifically Jordan. Like it was, just from players coming back from injury, right? Like we talked about Kempin resuming training either today, tomorrow was what we got officially from the club. So we can share that. But some of the other stuff was like, you know, we, we might have a little bit of news upcoming next week in terms of uh, us, you know, beefing up a little bit reinforcement. So I don't know if that's signing players or if they found somebody from a different league, but it, it sounds like we should be uh, expecting something from SD loyal at some point this week. I mean, it's pretty obvious what it is, right? Uh, is it? I mean, Lionel Messi's available for the first oh, time ever. Oh, shit. Yeah, I hadn't thought about All that. All of a sudden, he's available, and now there's rumors in San Diego. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. Well, uh, if that's true, I can commit, at least on my behalf, that I will purchase a Lionel Messi SD Loyal shirt. <laughs> is, that, is that it? Are you willing to commit anymore? Because that's quite the paycheck. <laughs> that's, uh, that's all I got. That, that, that's what I have for you. Is I, I can commit at least to a messy shirt. I've never purchased a messy shirt, to be honest with you. So that would really? be my first one. Surprises me. Yeah, I don't do me. a lot of the like name on the back of the shirt thing. I don't know. I feel you. I just, it's not my thing. I feel you on that one. But, yeah. um, I mean. So maybe I should I readjust. Should I readjust my expectations for reinforcements? Well, if it helps, as I said, I, I don't think I'd be alone in that in, in buying messy shirts. I mean, they'd probably sell really, really well in Argentina. Just give me a point. I mean, I mean we, spent, we spent last week's podcast talking a lot about Ashley Nazira and Mauritius. Uh, imagine how this news would go over in Argentina if Messi decided to come and play in the USL. I think it would go over very well. I think people would be very, very well thought out and very even keeled about yeah. it. Oh, it yeah. I'm response. sure it would take exactly like 0.3 seconds for somebody to go find Diego Maradona and say, hey, uh, what do you think about this? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you didn't mention there's a midweek match to watch out for um, Tuesday in the group, not for San Diego loyal. They're going to be back in action Saturday on the road at orange County. So Darren and I will be back at stone Liberty station. We'll have pre-match coverage starting at six 30. I believe it's a seven o'clock kick this Saturday. Um, gosh, I don't have that in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that's seven o'clock. I'm sorry. Yeah, seven okay. Good, good, good. So six 30 pre, and then we'll have you for 30 minutes on the post-match show. And then, now I'm stuck thinking about what Diego Maradona would have to say about Messi joining the USL. I'm just <laughs> a pinche cabron. <laughs> That's our end. <laughs> That's the end of the pod. All right. <laughs> okay. 
How right, long did we go? Good. We went like 40. 40 there, huh? Yeah, yeah. that's 40. All right. Are you working today? Yeah, of course. I got seven more shows I got to do. All right. Go I got to talk it. some Padre baseball. Then I got to do a Kogo show. So I'm fired up. Okay. Have fun. Thanks, man. See ya. All right. See ya.